Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that takes it way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today is a interview with a special guest, a good friend, author of The Science of Strength Training, Austin Current. Today, we're going to deep dive into his book that was just published. This is a huge accomplishment for anybody, period, uh, but especially for people in the training space and program designers and coaches. The fact that he was sought out by a publishing company to write the science of strength training is a huge accomplishment. So um, part of this is just, you know, giving him congratulations. I'm super proud of him. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, But then we dive deep into the book and we talk about some very, very specific topics that make every coach a better coach and make every person training in the gym a better trainee to get better results from what they're doing in the gym. And a lot of it hasn't really been written about before. He really did a good job of bridging the gap between anatomy and general program design. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. And I know you will enjoy his book which is linked in the show notes, but we are also going to give five copies away to five listeners completely free. So here's what you got to do if you want to get a free book. All you got to do is take a screenshot of this episode right now, go over to Instagram, post it on your story, tag myself at Cody McBroom and tag the book at science of strength training, and then go follow the book. So you have to be following me and you have to be following the book's Instagram. Austin will be able to see that. You got to tag us both in the story. We're going to pick five listeners who tagged us in their stories, and we are going to send them a free copy of the science of strength training. Um, Once again, guys, you are going to really enjoy this book. I'm excited for you guys to listen to this teaser of the book so you can get an idea of what it's all about. And for us to kind of shoot back and forth on some common uh, miscommunicated topics in the industry and in the fitness space when it comes to program design. So without any further ado, let's get into this interview with the one and only Austin Current. All right, man. So first and foremost, congratulations, dude. I'm super, super excited for you. Um, I've been pumped for you. I've been excited for this launch. And uh, part of me is also jealous because that's on my bucket list. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to follow your footsteps and I will release a book eventually Um, So I might be coming to you for some advice and for some pep talks along the way, but it's just such a cool thing. Um, As a content creator, I know you know this too, like it's just such a big accomplishment, man. It's such a cool thing to be able to say like, you know, like I thought it was cool when I wrote my first ebook and then like I immediately was like, man, I want a a, like, I want a solid book in my hands because there's just like you're on Amazon. Like I can buy your book on Amazon. That's so cool, dude. So, um, congratulations, man. I'm super proud of you. Super happy for you. Um, before we get into the book, obviously, uh, it's probably only polite and correct for me to do an intro. So tell us who you are and, uh, give us your, your, your backstory in a nutshell, even though you've been on this podcast more than once. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm very, very appreciative of that. It's very kind. And I appreciate you having me on, uh, to talk about the book and, and to kind of get people introduced to the, to the idea of the book and, and where to find it and all of that. Um, but a, a little intro on myself, uh, my name's Austin, as you probably saw on the title. Um, and I originally started out in the, the space with competing. Um, it's a pretty, I would say, uh, common beginning for most, uh, especially coming from where I came from. But so I started off on competing when I was 19. And so I started young and had a lot of success in the early stages of competing and, and something I was really talked into to doing and didn't want to do. I was very resistant to, to doing it. Um, but it kind of just came about where my friend finally talked me into doing it. I, I prepped for my first show, ended up winning. And then sort of fast forward nine months later, I was a pro. Um, I'd earned my IFBB pro card and you know, it's one of those things that kind of just right place, right time. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, downgrade what, how much I worked and and how much sacrifice I made to, to sort of make those dreams happen for myself. But man, I I can't say enough, like right place, right time. And, you know, to kind of expand on that story that got me into, um, I was early on in university at the time I was, trying to, I was really kind of getting into my studies of exercise science, which was a really cool, really cool way to kind of get myself more immersed in my university experience because I wasn't really into school my whole life. Um, I was kind of a tough student as, as you say, and I just wasn't very into it. So, um, when I got to college though, I kind of turned things around for myself academically. I started to 
give a shit for the lack of a better word. Um, and I started to really apply myself. I started to do those things that all my teachers growing up told me I had the ability to do and I just didn't listen, um, as you do as a, as a snot-nosed teenager. But um, essentially, like I finally turned that around and it, it just, everything kind of came together all at once and really is just built upon itself. And it's just been a story sort of of, you know, I started to compete. I had success there. It got me more interested in the academic side of things. I really, really pursued that with, with tenacity and, and a lot of, lot of commitment. Um, I put myself in some cool situations. I got lucky with some situations. Um, I got to intern uh, alongside schooling and everything else that was going well. I got to intern at like MI40 gym back in, uh, down in Tampa, Florida, back in, it, it's like heyday, right? Back when it had like everyone there all at once. And um, it was really like dream location. It was really a dream gym to go be a trainer at that gym and, and be an intern and, and shadow some of the best trainers and brightest trainers in the world, at the, you know, all together at one time. Um, and then I finished university. Uh, we started the, the physique development company. Um, I know Alex and Sue have also been on the podcast. So I'm a part of that group um, in physique development. We've had success there. Um, and I've just kind of continued to, to build it from there. I, I, you know, a lot of things kind of have happened through serendipity uh, in a big way. And I'm a big believer in you never really know what piece of work or, or pieces of, of work or content or whatever is going to be the, the thing that gets you to that next level. Um, you know, and, and that's a big story that kind of leads to the book, which we can kind of get into. But, um, you know, I, I kind of, again, right place, right time. I think I got lucky. Um, you know, and uh, I tend to be a bit more on the modest side on that regard. But I do think I was in the right place, the right time and got lucky there. And so I've been coaching since online. Um, I started as a personal trainer in person in 2012. Um, trained clients in person. And then in 2013, uh, 2014, we started the physique development company um, and been training clients online ever since. And so uh, between that, competing, coaching clients online and, and just creating content that people tend to, to double tap on um, or follow along with, I, you know, I'm kind of just here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just another person in the space trying to help and uh, that's a little bit about me. I don't know if you had any specifics, but no, I love that, man. I think, there, I mean, there's a couple things that I will say about that is like, number one, I think luck happens most to those who work really fucking hard with patience and persistence. So that was a very humble way for you to say that you're great at what you do, but I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can reassure everybody listening. Like you're, you're really, really intelligent. Um, I've had the pleasure to hang out with you more than once, um, in person and had many calls with you and everything. And we've become friends and you're a really smart dude, but it was also cool to hear that you said, uh, for lack of better terms, you weren't the best student <laughs> in high school and everything. Cause I think I get this Not question, at all. you know, I, I get this question all the time where it's like, like how, how do you focus and how do you read so much? And how are you so analytical with some of the stuff you do? Like, were you always that way? And I was like, no, I, I literally got through high school with D's. Like I was a horrible student. Yeah, <laughs> And so, um, yeah, I, I think it just goes to show, like when you find something that you can create a passion around or, or truly love and have interest in like education, studying, all those kind of things, like it just becomes second nature because you actually give a shit about that. Like I didn't care about algebra, you know, what I didn't even get through algebra technically, yeah. but, um, you know, uh, so <laughs> Uh, that's this good context just for people listening that can get them inspired to do more. But uh, obviously I want to, the main reason for you to on today is to talk about the book. You just released this book. I think it's, 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 it's a book that needed to be written for our industry and, and for the coaches out there and for also for the people who maybe don't want to coach, but they just want to know a better way, or they're very inquisitive about what they're doing in the gym. Right. And I, and the first thought I had was, man, how has this title not been taken already? You know, like you literally, telling me. dude, it's a perfect title. <laughs> and I'm know. like, how has nobody written a book with that title? So great steal on that, man. But kind of tell us, uh, I mean, first and foremost, why did you even write the book? Like, what was the point of the book? And, and I know you said like you were lucky and in great circumstances and everything, but more, most importantly, what was like the draw for you to be like, this is the book that needs to be written for, for, for the people. Yeah, man. And I think it's a funny story because I am not very involved in that part of the story. Um, <laughs> So that's what kind of where the luck comes in, to be honest with you. And I appreciate 
you kind of giving me credit for the name again, not my doing. Um, I get, I, and I'm going to get too much credit for this book, you know, and I, I'm, I did do it, you know, a uh, year and a half plus of, of research and writing and re revising and editing and everything. And it was a lot of hard work and I put in a ton of time, a ton of time to, to do it, but it wouldn't be here without the publisher. It wouldn't be here without my editors and the team of illustrators that help with it. So I can't, you know, I, I went, we went through DK publishing, um, which is a subsidiary of penguin random house, which is, you probably recognize that yeah. name. Um, and, and they're just, they're so talented and they came to me with this idea, funny enough. Um, and talk about, talk about kind of like an imposter syndrome situation. I was just kind of like, they, they approached me. I thought it was a joke. Um, and like, I, I legit thought it was a joke when, cause you, you get a lot of unsolicited, uh, emails and, and messages through social media and your, through your email inbox of like, Hey, we want you to rep this product. Hey, you have followers that yeah. you worked hard for. Let us use them for our gain and give you $10 in exchange, <laughs> or we'll send you a t-shirt. And it's like, uh, I'm good. You know, I've committed to not being an influencer long ago. Um, and I, I, I'm good with that. And I, I just, I usually just delete those emails immediately, um, which is the funny thing because this email, like I usually don't give them the time of day to be honest. And usually, cause I just don't want to be enticed by them or, or even think about the FOMO of, of a situation. I just yeah. want to like stay focused and, and entrenched in what I'm doing. And so the title of the email that came through December, 2019. So you guys can kind of see the timeline unfold here of when this project started to when it's finally coming to life, launching in the United States and on May 4th of 2021. So long process here um, from start to finish of conception of idea to the organization of the, the general book structure, all of the illustrations, you name it, the words, the research and all of that. So a lot of time, a lot of work that went into that. But in December of 2019, I essentially, um, I got this email. I was on a flight back home to visit my family for the holidays. And as you do, as a millennial, you check your phone when you're getting on the plane and you're waiting for everyone to do their single file, like mini shuffle down that, you know, really narrow aisle, um, where you're basically, you're bumping everybody's shoulders and, and with your bag and everything else. Right. So I'm just like trying to check my email last little bit. Um, be sure I don't have any like last minute work things before I, before we take off on the flight, before I kind of check out and go home to visit my family. And I see this email with the, the subject line, um, book proposal, science of strength training. And I was like, Hmm, I'm going to keep this one. And so I sat down and I started to read it and we were, you know, they're doing the, you know, turn your phone on airplane mode sort of conversation over the, the intercom. And I, read the email. It's seems official. It seems legit. So I show it to my wife who has a background in, in PR and, and all of this stuff. And she's more of the professional eye when it comes to that sort of thing. So I was like, Hey, you know, is this legit? Is this like a real thing? Should I respond to this? And she read it and she's like, yeah, you should, you know, absolutely. Like this could be huge. Like this is a book. And I'm like, yeah, but is it though? You know, I'm like, is this just like some random dude? And it's, it's funny how like we're trained, my, my mind first just goes there. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't imagine this is an opportunity as much as just like it's unsolicited, uh, sort of like, Hey, will you do this for us? And, you know, we'll feature you somewhere. And it was, it, it's just, it's funny where that's where my head goes, but essentially like we looked up the editor, we looked up the, all the information in the, the footer of the email or the signature of the email. And it's, it was all legit. It all checked out. And so I sent back an email saying I was very interested. I'd love to hop on if the phone call or do whatever the next steps were. And essentially like over the course of like a month, you know, I had a, a few conference calls with the, the publisher and the editors and they, they really, they really liked what I had to say and, and the way I had to say it. And they already, so this book is a part of a series of books. Um, so there's already science of yoga and the science of running. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they basically collected who they see as an, as a, a voice to be heard, I, I guess you could say, or, or sort of like an expert quote unquote in a field. And, but also someone with the ability to communicate 
you know, with good skills of science communication and, and the ability to be a translator, right? Something you and I have talked about extensively. Like, we just want to be a communicators and translators of, of this information. We don't necessarily want to be on the front lines of the research, but we'd love to kind of break it down and make sense of it to, to you know, spread it to the masses more or less. And, you know, they, <laughs> I asked them on the call, I was like, how the hell did, I mean, with all due respect, how the hell did you find me? Cause like, I'm not a household name, you know, I was like, it's not like you just Googled fitness and I came up, like, right. how did you find me? And they were, he was like, you know, I just, you know, we have our certain ways of researching topics and I was on Google. I, I kind of found your, you were featured in men's health. You were featured in this thing. And I, I liked what you were doing. And I it was basically based off the content I was creating in 2017 where I was overlaying the anatomy of movements onto the thumbnails of my videos. And, and during like the editing and like the production of the video, you know, those videos back in 2017, where like kind of when my Instagram exploded a bit, when I was like doing those execution videos and like overlaying the muscle and talking about exec execution cues and, and setup and you name it. Right. And so it's when I was talking about serendipity earlier, you never quite know what's going to be the catalyst to that next thing that was in a big way. They saw a lot of that through different features and stuff. And they were like, this is exactly what we want for this book. And, you know, they had, they had a million options. And I honestly, on, I think on the phone call, I was like, Hey, I know some, I know some people that I could connect you with that maybe be better for this. Um, and they were like, no, man, we, we kind of, we really like your writing. Um, Cause they, they went to a few of my blog posts that I had written, um, which, you know, kind of a, post-hoc evaluation of, I'm glad I put some effort into those. Um, and they were like, we like your ability to break down the science, the science, the, and, and reference that material properly, but also we like your conversational take on things. We like the fact that it's approachable and people like to read it and, and you seem to connect with people. So that's what we're looking for. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> so it was kind of like back and forth like that, you know? Um, and so that's kind of the, the story of the inception of the book. So to kind of revert it back around full circle, like I don't think I deserve credit for the title or the fact that I pitched a book to a publisher, like none of that happened. I, that's kind of like the right place, right time. Right. Like, um, but you put in the work and essentially set yourself up. Like you said, luck is just kind of that, that culmination of seizing opportunity and, and putting in the work beforehand and, you know, there, there are things that just come together sometimes that are in your favor. And this was one of them for me. Yeah. I, I almost even think that you deserve more credit because it wasn't like, cause I can even think of like, I'll be honest, man. Like I'm, I'm very, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm very business minded. Like I can think of yeah great ideas in that yeah. realm. So I could create a pitch better than I would be able to create confidence in my ability to actually fulfill that product <laughs> at first, you know, and then it would be like, yeah, oh shit, yeah, they, I, what you're saying. Yeah. They, I crushed my pitch. Now I got to like figure out how I'm going to like execute this. And I think that the yeah. fact that they sought you out actually says a lot because it's like, here's this guy that has all the capabilities in the world to do it. We're going to seek him out and have him write this because of that. Not because he has a manager who is fucking really good at sales and he's going to like pitch us on this idea. Um, so, man, I think it, it makes it actually makes the content inside the book, in my opinion, almost more valuable, you know. Uh, so because um, it's even like even if you think of the muscle and strength pyramids, like Andy Morgan reached out to Eric Helms and was like, dude, like we have to put this into something because these these free things you're putting out there are amazing. You know, let's put this in a yeah. structured paperback book. And that's what they did. And now it's like one of the what most well-known coaching books out there. Right. So, um but, but I love that, man. I think it's a great example of, of, like you said, just like working at things and doing things for the right reason and creating value. Eventually they end up doing something. Um, now put, putting like context for, for the listener, like if, if I'm a reader or I'm a potential reader and I said like, what am I going to get out of this? Like, what is your response to that? Like, what are you going to tell the, the reader? Like, this is exactly what you're going to take away by the end of these, these pages. It is. Yeah. So I'll, I'll answer in one sentence. Um, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> uh, basically, uh, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to the book. Um, we basically went into this with the idea, or they came to me with the idea of 
we want to create a comprehensive, basically reference guide for the everyday person that could also be applicable to coaches and advanced trainees. And basically it was one of those th pitches where it was like, Hey, we want it to be simple, but we want it to be the most comprehensive thing that exists. And we want it all to make sense, but not be overwhelming. Right. It's like they, you wanted everything to happen. Right. And I honestly, I honestly think we, we made the best version of what they wanted and made the best version of the book that I always wanted to create myself. Right. So this is a, like you said earlier, like this is a bucket list thing for me. I, I just, I didn't think it would happen until I was like 40, 45 years old. Um, you know, I kind of just like had this story in my head. I was telling myself of like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this to a, I, I thought I was like more of a Tim Ferriss story where you get rejected by 20 publishers and it ends up being a, a bestseller, mm. you know, later in life. And it's like, yay, it all worked out. Um, you know, so I didn't quite, under, I didn't, I wasn't quite ready. I don't think I'm glad it came at a perfect time. It, it aligned well with the pandemic. Um, I had plenty of time. I wasn't traveling around, you know, I was just, you know, I was able to focus, but, um, so with that in mind, when people sort of conceptualize the book or, or try to get a sense of what's in it, um, you know, I, I tried to create, what was that resource? What would be the resource that I would have wanted when I first got into lifting or first became a coach? And I kind of came from that perspective of, okay, if the individual has no background in exercise science or exercise physiology, how can I create something that is comprehensive and helpful and educational, but not overwhelming? And then also, how can I second that material? So that was kind of my first line of defense. And then I put it through a second filter of, okay, if I have a background in exercise physiology or exercise science, let's say a trainer um, that, that, you know, has studied a long time or, or has a lot of different resources or went to university, are they going to still be able to reference this material and learn from it? And so I wrote it in that sort of way. So like, I kind of had the first line of defense of if you had no prior knowledge, can you at least absorb this information? And it's not intimidating. It's not overwhelming. It's not too much. But also, if you had the background in it, you're still able to learn from it. And so we, to do that, we essentially broke it down into four chapters. The first chapter is human physiology, which we go over muscular anatomy, how muscles work, how they grow, how training promotes the muscle growth, how training promotes bone strength and integrity, um, powering muscle action. So we go into fueling strength training, so nutrition. We talk about determining energy requirements. We talk about finding calories and macros. Um, and we're talking about the science behind all of that stuff. And there's excellent visuals uh, where you can not only read it, but you're seeing the visual there. So it's easier to understand. And then, you know, strength, you know, strength training for your brain. We talk about brain health. We talk about neurophysiology a bit, um, the impacts that, that strength training extends beyond the goal of building muscle. And I think that's really important. And that was a message that I wanted to get across to everyone is that I, I think in our little worlds of everyone just wants to get big and jacked and shredded and wants to grow muscle, that's not the goal of the world. That's not the goal of, of what is going to create a healthy population or, or in general, just be what people need it to be. And I, I think if I would approach the book of assuming everyone had the goal of purely building muscle, I'd, I would have missed the boat um, on the 99% of people who are going to read this book or need this book rather, not read it, but need it. Um, so if they're walking in Barnes and Noble, they're their everyday person, they understand, they've heard strength training helps. They, their doctor have told them to get into the gym, they, to start lifting weights. They understand having muscle helps their metabolism, X, Y, and Z, right? then I wanted them to have a resource that taught them about these things, but in a way where it was more about creating a health first approach across a lifespan and the benefits that come with that, the benefits that come along with strength training, if we're able to, to, string, to get, string together consistent and effective strength training that's safe and effective, which leads us into chapter two, which is like the strength training exercises chapter where we introduce and show visually over a hundred exercises 
and the cues, the setup, how to perform them, the, the anatomy that's used in those exercise exercises. And with all the main exercises, you can even, I've even broken it down even more than that. And I'm telling you, or I'm teaching you what exercise or what muscles rather are being used. And if they're being lengthened, lengthened under tension, shortened under tension in each phase of each movement. So you can get an idea of how muscles start to work, how they work eccentrically and concentrically. So on the lowering portion of the raising portion on most movements. And that's in a big way, what kind of chapter two is. And that to me was like, how do I teach this proper exercise technique and execution to the masses? What's the best way to sort of put it. And to me, like, and you've probably heard me say this before, but exercise technique is a fundamental skill of, of strength training. It's if you want to be good at basketball, you have to learn how to dribble. If you can't dribble, you're not going to be good at basketball. Mm -hmm. And to me, like that's the most fundamental thing and the most logical thing or logical way I can put that. Like, and when people have the arguments around, Oh, it, you know, technique doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And it's, I'm just like, that doesn't make sense to me in any way. Right. So technique exercise technique is as important to strength training as dribbling a basketball is to the sport of basketball yeah. and your ability to be good at basketball. Right. That's easy to understand. And so we, you know, we've worked very hard to, to come up with a, a list of over a hundred exercises, ones that are commonly used, ones you may not have seen before. Some have progressions, some have regressions. Um, so you're able to progress the exercise, or if that exercise is too hard, you can kind of take a step backward and, and start with the easier version. Um, and then chapter three is all about preventing injury. So it's all about an injury, injury prevention chapter. We talk about injury risk. Um, I go in deep into the science of delayed onset muscle soreness, kind of what that actually is indicators of that. Um, and, and all that has to offer, we talk about common injuries, how they're typically happen in the gym, how to recover from them, how to return back, basically how to help mitigate injury, but also how to return back to the gym after injury, um, designing a routine, warm up routine, cool down routine, mobility. Um, we talk about, you know, the importance of kind of the, some of the, the untold science, um, of stretching and how we don't need to make it as dogmatic as, as it's made out to be, um, how it can be useful, static or dynamic. And then we, in chapter four, we get into program design. And this was a really fun chapter for me to, to write because, you know, there hasn't been, a, I mean, outside of the muscle and strength pyramids, which is an excellent, excellent resource for program design. Um, there hasn't been a book where program design is talked about in this depth that also includes all of the other things in the chapters before, right? Um, and so if there is a book on program design, it's just program design. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's the book. And in that we talk about variables within program design, and then there's programs in the back. So there's a beginner and advanced muscle building program, beginner and advanced strength program, and a beginner and advanced, like must more endurance metabolic sort of program, um, to help with just global conditioning and, and muscular endurance and, and stuff like that. So, um, that's what you can expect. Uh, I mean, hopefully that was a good overview of kind of the contents of the book. Um, uh, we can kind of go into specifics if you had any, um, and break down certain topics a little bit further, but that's kind of the general overview of, of the book. And I would say just the final words here on that overview is the book I was hoping to create was to fill the gap between what the muscle and strength pyramid has been for everyone. It's been a valuable resource for everyone. And then that, sh that strength training anatomy book from that French author. What's mm -hmm. his name? I don't know, but I know um, what you're talking Del about. Del D.A. Do you know what the book I'm talking about though? Yep. Yep. I do. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking to like, how do I fill the, so if we have like two of those books on the end of the continuum, right? One, one, one end or the other, I was basically trying to create a resource that lived in the middle, right? It's not that my book has all of the answers. I hope it has most of them for you, but I, it doesn't have all of them. And I, I was really hoping to create 
an entry point for people to get into this information um, that, that's not intimidating, that is very understandable. It's not condescending. It's not elitist. It's just, this is the bare bones information displayed in an easy to understand way. And I, I'm really hoping that it creates or takes away a barrier of entry for a lot of folks wanting to learn more about fitness or strength training in general. Um, and speaks to that 99% of people who are typically underserved, you know, in the gym who don't quite understand the, the high level advanced stuff. Um, because too often, I think we're only speaking to that 1% of the population who, you know, wants to add three kilos to their, their total body mass. And, you know, I just want to get more shredded. It's like, man, I just want to strength train and feel good, yeah. you know? And, and so I wanted to write a book that kind of for everyone, but really hit on those 99% of people who are most often underserved or the content isn't geared towards them quite as much. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, one thing that's really cool about it is bridging the gap between the exercise science and anatomy side of things to the program design. Cause a lot of program design books, they, there's a lot of talk about volume, intensity, and periodization, right? And there's not a lot of yeah, talk yeah. about, I mean, most of them actually uh, de-emphasize exercise selection. And I think that's, I don't think that's a good idea because even like, you know, you, you briefly mentioned like, um, emphasizing uh, an exercise that emphasizes tension under stretch versus under a shortened position. Just that alone changes mm -hmm. the exercise selection, which changes the way you program throughout the week, which completely changes the way a muscle is going to adapt, you know, and, and that even we can talk about joint angles for that same exact reason. And now exercise variation and selection becomes way more important because you get more out of less volume if you actually emphasize those things. So it's like, you know, and, and that's nothing against the pyramid. I think globally the pyramid makes a lot of sense, but I also think there's, there's times, and I've been asked this many times on both training and nutrition, I think there's times where you can actually flip-flop around the different levels of the pyramid depending on the context that we're talking about, right? And, and there hasn't been yeah. a book that's covered that. So it's, it's cool that you were able to do so um, and actually dive into the different parts. Now, you talk about program design there, obviously. You didn't mention periodization. And one of the questions I did have for you today was your thoughts on periodization for Gen Pop. You know, there's like, there's kind of, there's a lot of importance in periodization the more advanced you get or the more specific a sport or a training outcome gets. But there's also a lot to be said for, and like, this is my opinion, for not worrying about periodization so much in training and just having more of a, like an undulated periodization system where, you know, focus on your main thing. If it's muscle hypertrophy, focus more on bodybuilding style stuff, throw in a little bit of strength work and you're good as long as we're hitting all the other boxes that you covered with focusing on the stretch, the shortened exercise selection, execution, proper form, injury prevention. And if you do those things right and you have a progression method in place, you don't really have to periodize over the long term for the everyday person. Um, but I want to get your opinion. One, if you think I'm wrong and you wrote differently, that's fine. Like, let's, let's talk about it, but just kind of give me your thoughts yeah. on that topic as a whole. No, it's a good breakdown of it. And I, I think so much of this is so nuanced, right? And I, I think with a lot of, even, you know, the, my book is, is 60,000 words, right? It's in a lot of words, I was able to say seemingly very little about each thing. It's, it's, and I say very little because each chapter could have its own book, yeah. right? And so I, I really distilled it down to the need to know information. What's the most important thing to take from this, right? And that was one of the hardest things to do was to eliminate all of the noise and really just put in what, what's the most helpful thing here for people to know and understand to be an entry point to this conversation. And then if they're interested, they can either ask or they can at least dive in further, right? And everything is referenced. Um, so all this material, it's in the bibliography in the back. It's all fully referenced material. You can go look up all the studies that I read through. Um, well, you can only about a, half of the studies ended up in the back of the book. So if you have a question about a different study, you can ask, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where getting to your question, like a lot of things get, get lost in the noise of, of nuance. And I think when we try to create these tribes, these teams of like, no, I'm, I'm team periodization or I'm team non it's like, dude, it's individualistic and it, it matters per and per situation, right? It's very contextual. And I, to answer your question 
on my thoughts of, of more periodization around general population, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there because if you nail the, the foundational stuff, if you nail exercise selection based off the individual and the equipment they have available to them, and you nail down volume tolerance, you, you nail down their ability to recover and perform well alongside their ability to adhere to nutritional principles and protocols and, and kind of what you have in mind or a timeline you have in mind, a lot of manipulation there becomes within total volume frequency and pulling back when you need to pull back. You know, a lot of people, I think within, especially the general population realm, they need to train hard and then they need to have a period of time where they don't. And then they need to train hard again and then have a time, a period of time where they don't. Right. And that's what we kind of see as this over this, this bigger picture of periodization where you have this, this undulation, right? This is kind of what you're mentioning is you, I know you're probably talking more like daily or undulating mm -hmm. uh, periodization, but in the same sense, that is sort of a, a method of fatigue management, Yeah. right? Undulating programs is just fatigue management wrapped up in a different tied up with a different bow, right? And so whether you're working with a phase that focuses on one sole goal and pushes you hard within that goal, and then you deload from that goal, that's fatigue management to me as much as a, a week, a daily or weekly undulation where, you know, reps and sets and, and intensity may change by the day or by the week. Um, it's just another method of fatigue management at the end of the day. And so how does that client respond best? What do they enjoy most? Um, what, what kind of training history do they have? What do they gravitate towards the most? Um, and again, like we, it kind of all goes back to something that's said a lot, but that's, that's adherence, right? And if you're creating something that someone's not going to adhere to, then you're both lost, you know, nothing's yeah. going to go on, nothing's going to happen. So you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's important to me to, to have a conversation. I know you have conversations with your clients and, and we have with ours, like, what are you into? What do you enjoy? What, what's your history? You know, what have you liked in the past? What have you not? And how can we string together? Are you open to new ideas? Are you open to new concepts of training? Can I push you here? Can I push you there? Um, and if those answers are yes, then we're going to have some fun. And if those answers are no, we're going to have a little bit more constraint, constrained fun. We're still going to have fun, but it'll be under a, a more strict constraint of, I understand that you just, you like the way this programming goes. You just need me for accountability purposes. Right. Um, and, and that's okay. That's, you kind of got to tailor it to the pe person's personality. And I know, you know, all about that as the tailor coaching method. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, as far as like big picture periodization goes, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, just kind of bring it full circle here. And, I think as long as you nail down, you do as the coach, right? You want to do the thinking for the client. So, you know, get an idea of what they have in their gym space, get an idea of what they're capable of, any, any injury risk they have or, or potential injuries they've had in the past and know, know where you can push them and where you can't, right. And, and understand where in the sessions can you really push a person and where in sessions do you need to pull back a bit and just utilize more of the maybe the, the lower intensity, more volume related work where you're not risking as much. Right. And that's the difference between, are we back squatting or are we leg pressing or hack squatting? I know that those are three different things and the, the intensity of failure, proximity to failure that I can push a person, how, how much I can test that person or how hard I can get them to work while still being safe and effective within our goal. It's going to change whether we're doing a squat, hack squat, or leg press, right? Um, or a leg extension or any other exercise, right? It's kind of dependent on the tool we're using and where that client needs that push the most, but also where they can facilitate that the most within their current sort of bandwidth um, of, of total stress in their life or physical stress, mental stress, emotional stress, and everything else. So, um, yeah, I think you can do a lot of that work for your client and also utilize your client and their preference to kind of meet in the middle. But yeah, this whole thing of like, like 
training periodization needs to be spot on and perfect for a client to progress is, is nonsense in my eyes. Like you, as long as your client's training hard or you're training hard and you understand fatigue management, you understand that after a certain point, uh, fatigue catches up with your fitness and you got to deload. I mean, as long as you understand that concept of, of managing fatigue and, and deloads and, um, all of that, then yeah, push the envelope a bit, understand how to read the data and that they're giving you what, with their check-ins and stuff. And a lot of that take care, takes care of itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's kind of even like when people get into a diet and they want the diet to have a name, right? They, <laughs> they want the periodization to mm, have mm-hmm. a title. Like, well, is this linear? Is this block is, you know, and it's to an extent, <laughs> yeah, often yeah. what I say is like, do you have a plan? Yes. Is that plan structured for longer than just this week? Like, is it going to continue over months? Like you have a, a long-term idea of where you want to head with your training. Yes. Okay. You're periodizing. I mean, realistically, you know, and I think the fatigue management yeah, side of things yeah. is actually a really good, um, a really good way of putting it. And even kind of relates back to, to the importance of the anatomy section of your book coming before the program design part of the book, because, you know, if somebody has an injury, aches and pains, uh, or just a, a ton of global fatigue, right? And, and they're coming into the gym. A coach should be able to mimic the movement pattern and uh, the loading parameters are like how we're placing tension on a muscle while deloading it. So maybe, like you said, we are switching the type of squat or the type of tool we're using, but we're still building the same neurological skill and adaptation to an extent we're just deloading it right we're pulling back so that we can manage fatigue better while still practicing the right movement pattern rather there's a lot of inexperienced coaches that kind of go in and it's like quads let's go you know it's like well yeah but how are you training <laughs> yeah. your quads there's a lot of ways to train your quads <laughs> from intensity to uh like we said the the strength curve resistance curve all these different things so um and those are those are the things that i think a lot of people miss out on, especially if you're training each muscle more than once a week, which is, is commonly known as the best practice nowadays. It's like, you should probably learn the joint angles and the type of tension you're placing on it and the emphasis of, of this tension, because that's how you create smart variation when you're training a muscle more than once per week. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I think you hit it, uh, hit the nail on the head. And within the structure of the book, it was a big deal to me where you know, when I first learned in my career years back, like think of this thing differently, you know, and one of the best tools of any coach or trainer, or even trainee of just someone who enjoys this stuff is just become a better critical thinker, mm. but understand first principles. And, you know, I think originally when we all start out, it's sort of like, I wanted to create a resource that, that changed this thinking a bit where, you know, when we, when I started out and I know you, when you probably started out, it was like, all right, it's leg day. All right. What's that mean? It means back squats, hack squats, leg press, leg extension, leg curl, what movements have leg in them. Yeah. And that's what we do. That's, that's leg stuff. Right. And I wanted to create an, a resource where more or less educated you on what the end goal of all this is anyways. Okay, if we were wanting to train legs, all right, what muscles are included in the legs? Are we wanting to divvy up that volume a bit more? Are we wanting to train more focus on quads and glutes? Are we wanting to focus more on hamstrings? Or are we wanting to focus more on, what are we wanting to focus more on? Are we having a well-rounded approach? Are we going to split up our leg volume to, you know, isolate a little bit more? Where we're still going to have some overlapping volume, but we can at least bias tension. We can bias load and and training volume over time or over the course of those days and across a, a training week or a training, you know, phase or mesocycle, whatever your nomenclature you're using to really allow ourselves to, to maximize performance and recovery over time. Right. Again, it goes back to fatigue management. So really you're limited by what you can recover from. Right. So if I know I have a lagging body part and let's say I have a, my hamstrings are lagging and I start every leg day with squats because that's what you do, right? You just, that's what you start with squats because it's leg day. And then by the time you finally get to some of your hamstring movements, you're toast. You know, you can't, your performance is, is down. Your ability to recover from that work is down because of the, the, the systemic and global fatigue that you've accumulated because of your exercise selection. And that, 
lagging body part is going to continue to be a lagging body part until you learn how to better load, place tension on that muscle and organize your volume, your training load, your training volume towards that muscle group. You're always going to be lagging in some way based off of what you're wanting to improve in my opinion. And I've seen this happen. I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with many clients and, and where they're coming in to work with us. And then kind of how we develop them over time is we're just manipulating a lot of this stuff. I'm not saying that any of these things are, are bad. It's just the, the way that you're organ, organizing them in your training could change. And the way to change that way of thinking is to rethink about how you're thinking of the material to begin with. And when instead of thinking of movement first, let's think of the muscle first. Let's understand how muscles are loaded, how tension's placed on things, right? Let's understand that, you know, a free weight loads, a bo- loads the body in this way. Let's learn that a machine loads the body in this way. A cable loads it in this way. Okay, since we know that, and we know that we have to load that muscle group this way, we have options now, okay? With those options, let's organize those, those exercises in a way that is conducive to, to grow, to perform well, to recover well, and to split up that volume across a week, right? Because we're not, as you mentioned, it's pretty established now that training a muscle more, a little bit more frequently, at least two times a week, is probably a good idea, right? So with that in mind, we can utilize these tools. We can, our understanding of anatomy, right, which is where I, it all starts, because that's the whole reason we're, I mean, not the whole reason we're doing this, but I mean, damn, it's the the way we're, it's the sole vehicle of how we do it, right? Um, Is to challenge and place resistance on our anatomy, on our structure, right? That's how we create adaptation. And so understanding how we're adding resistance to that structure, to that anatomy, to those muscles is very important that you sort of understand that first line of defense. And then we can get into okay, what tools, you know, quote unquote exercises can we use to challenge that tissue, to place volume on that tissue, to place tension on that tissue. And then the book, you know, in chapter one explains what that tension does, you know, how does a muscle grow and what allows this training response to elicit a growth in our body that, that helps our you know, our global health across, a, uh, really across our lifespan and allows us to improve our metabolic health or lower our risk of disease, um, whether that's cardiovascular or metabolic and improves our brain health, mental health, you name it. So, um, you know, and in a big way, it's, we're using this vehicle to improve our health long-term and how we organize and structure that is, is a big deal. And I, I wanted to structure the book in a way where you kind of God introduced this material in the right order, because I, if, I think if you would have started with this book in a different order, I think is confuses the material. It, it kind of gives you an idea of this telling the story backwards, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's well said, man. I think the organization point you make is, is something that goes overlooked too, because this is to me, this is where programming almost becomes an art. It's, it's a very creative process. And I think that, you have to have a fundamental understanding of the science, but it's experience that of applying that science because there's not a ton of research on sequencing your exercises in a certain way, right? There's not a ton of, of it's science. It's really hard to research. It is, yeah. you know, and I can imagine writing this book, that part was probably tough because <laughs> yeah. people got to remember though, like what you do as your first exercise influences every exercise that follows and all of those exercises influence the exercises you're going to do tomorrow. So, you know, when we prioritize importance of muscle groups of strength that we're trying to develop and the demands of an exercise and the movement and our joint health along the way, like I think we can really start to piece together a great program, but it it is an art and it's based on a lot of experience, which I think is great. How you, like you said, how you laid this out was literally perfect. Um, But you did just touch on something that I wanted to dive into. And it's, and it's a funny topic because you mentioned like, you know, strength training in general, it's so advantageous for basically everything. And, it, and it's a funny conversation for people who don't know because they're like, well, how should I train? I just want to be healthy. And it's like, well, you should strength train. It's like, okay, well, I just want to lose fat. How should I train? You should strength train. I want to build muscle. You should strength yeah. train too. You know, it's just like universally, it's probably the route to go. Um, so 
obviously there's a lot of health benefits that you just mentioned, but one of them was the brain health. And that's always been a really fascinating one to me, especially with, you know, over the decades, just seeing depression, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, all these things increase dramatically. Um, I would even say lack of motivation, self-discipline, those things start to decline, right? And so we're in a time where we see a lot of mental issues, whether they're uh, small things adding up over time or they're really large, serious clinical issues. But can you just like, I know this could be like a whole podcast in itself, but kind of give us an insight of like, what are the main things that you either wrote about or you that think the listener would take away from the book inside this part of just like, what does strength training do for your brain? Oh, um, so as far as brain health and, and everything else, I mean, the, the research I was able to come across, right? And I'm, and I'm, not, a, I'm not an expert in this area, right? I'm, I'm not, you know, your go-to resource, but I'm someone who's spent a lot of time digging into the research um, and, and understanding more and more of, of really what this does for us. And in terms of the, the global response of, of what strength training can help us do bleeds into everything from long-term memory uh, alleviating stress and anxiety, enhancing cognitive function, um, and even speeding up cognitive capabilities. So speeding up brain function, right? So if you look, you can pull up meta-analysis over the positive effects of both aerobic and resistance training to improve cognitive and, and executive function within, within the brain, within the mind. And even we, with, you know, younger adults into middle age, but especially into older age, right? And this was such a big, you know, goal of the book was, I want to speak to, to younger individuals, I want to get people into strength training sooner in their life. Because those benefits aid us across a lifespan, the sooner we get in the better, right? It's like compounding interest on investment, like you get in when you're 20, even putting a small amount in, and compared to the person who started when they were 45 or 50. And they're putting in three times as much as you are, you have more money than them at the end. Like that's the property of compounding interest. And it's not the, it's not a one for one relationship there, but I, I want to say that to, to sort of paint the picture of the sooner we get in and the, the more consistent we can be over time across a lifespan, the better off we are within our health, within our mental health, our physical health, mental health, um, internal health, you name it. And so I think one of the coolest things for me, the, one of the most relatable things, um, in, personal things to me is, is I, I come from a family who, you know, um, I've had, I think four or five relatives, aunts and uncles, um, pass away in the last five years from Alzheimer's dementia related illnesses when they're in their fifties, early sixties, um, and to me, that's a scary thing because a lot of Alzheimer's and dementia genetic. is, is genetic of what we know of it right now. And so, you know, being able to sort of protect and have neuroprotective strategies against getting dementia, Alzheimer's is very important to me. And it, it's really something that we struggle with as a, as a culture, as you know, as a society, we really struggle with this and there's really no cure for it. We have some ideas of, of what can sort of stave it off and, and understand what can help us in the pursuit of that, right? Whether that's nutritionally, um, aerobically, or, or from a strength training perspective, but strength training comes out on top as far as being a, a valuable modality that helps us physically in so many other ways, but also from a mental health perspective, right? Um, and so again, everything from increasing levels of uh, brain-derived growth factor, essentially neurotrophic factor, which is basically BDNF, and IGF-1, which is like insulin-like growth factor, which have positive effects on neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, so the growing of new brain cells, uh, brain tissue, the regeneration of those, uh, leading to improvements in learning, cognition, memory, um, and it's also been found to lead to lower white matter atrophy and lower volumes of white matter lesions in the brain and accumulation of plaque, which are linked to neurological diseases such as Alzheimer's. 
Um, so I mean, ex speeding up executive brain function through many of these things I just mentioned, enhancing cognitive function as a whole, staving off dementia, Alzheimer's, co neurocognitive related illnesses, neurological diseases such as those, boosting long-term memory and alleviating stress and anxiety. And I think the, the mental health part of this as well is, is really cool because I got into some of the clinical research and meta-analysis or meta-analyses that sort of the, I think it was the Journal of, of Clinical Psychology, I believe, that recently came out with a meta-analysis in, in 2020 that, I could be wrong on the year, but it doesn't matter. The, the gist of it is they found strong, strong evidence that it strength training as a whole helps lower the risk of depression, anxiety, um, even in postpartum depression, they found it strength training to help um, tremendously with, with postpartum depression, general depression and, and feelings of anxiety. Um, and so to me, like in our current culture, that is, that is huge because it's such a beneficial, safe and effective thing to do that helps with everything. And I don't just say that, you know, I don't say that lightly. And I don't just say that because I wrote a book on it. I, I say that because it's the truth and it, it's within the evidence. And it's something that I think, you know, my, my friend, Danny um, Montregas was going over uh, and I was on his podcast and he was, he was mentioning like, he, he hopes for the day where you're, you're incentivized to, to, to strength train, to go to the gym or to, to strength train in some way, whether that's a home gym or, or whatever that is. Um, and like you get like a, a insurance rebate, you know, for improving your health, you know, you get rewarded for, for training because it's that important, you know, and I couldn't agree more with that statement. I couldn't agree more with his, his statement. And it doesn't have to be like structured in the gym strength training, you know, within the research, it's the safest, um, like structured strength training, more bodybuilding oriented, strength training oriented movements and, and organizational structure and, and utilizing rest periods and the types of movements you do and utilizing all this in a controlled, safe environment is by far the safest um, that we found, that, that they've found within the research as well. Um, the, the injury risk is a lot lower than others, but at the end of the day, Something that, again, uh, Dr. Ben House always says is, uh, I make it misquote this, but basically like fight gravity every day, load your body with resistance in some fashion every day. Um, you know, and, and for a lot of people, the beginning stages of that could be, could be walking, could be aerobic. Um, but eventually you're going to have to get to the point of progressive overload and adaptation to also get into to strength training, which um, there was a, a study that came out in 2020 that basically um, stated that, and it, it makes sense. It was stating basically they're pleading, they're saying their case of of all factors. I forget how they tested or how they put the study together, but essentially it was like strength training put up against any other single modality is by far the most effective and efficient way of improving your health long-term across a lifespan. Safest and most effective single modality or single thing to, to improve those factors across the board, right? Because aerobic training does certain things and, and X, Y, and D, Z does certain things, but what strength training does all at once for your physical, internal, and mental and emotional health is really unmatched. And I, I hope this resource really just creates an entry point, but a safe, a safe space for people to come learn and grow and, and put themselves in a good situation when it comes to, to getting themselves into the gym, if they're not in there already, or to improve what they're doing already in the gym. That's wild, man. I think that like, I mean, it's cool that they actually put together that study. And I think that it's, it's um, your friend said it really well. And I, it, to me, it's like when you go to a doctor's office, when somebody is, is suffering from some kind of chronic illness or issue and they're prescribed medication, there should almost be like a prerequisite before you can even prescribe medicine. Like, are you going to the gym? They should have gyms in hospitals and in doctor's offices and stuff like that because it's like you, they have to be able to tie 
the the medical side to the training side, not the physical therapy side. Not that they shouldn't do that, but you know, it's it's it needs to be more than just that. And I think, um, like, man, like we're we're coming up on an hour, but I could literally that topic and a couple others that we discussed today, I could literally sit here and talk to you about for, for so long. Um, and we might have to do that. Um, but you covered a lot of what I had written down that I wanted to give the listeners today, man. So, um, you crushed it and any, any deeper, it's like either we got to sit here for three hours on that one topic or they got to just go get the book, you know, which I think is best. And that's, you know, that's why I really wanted you on here. So, um, of course, before I do let you go, like where, uh, I know it's on Amazon, but where can everybody find you, the book, all that kind of stuff, so we can put some links in the show notes for them? Absolutely. Thank you, man. And yeah, I could go on and on and on. And again, this just touches on a, the general concepts in a couple pages of the book. So there's a lot to dig into here and, and a lot of, of learning to, to be had for you if you do decide to purchase the book. Um, so in terms of finding the book, the book is on Amazon. It's the easiest place to find it. Um, I've been told people have been picking it up also at their local Costco, Walmart, Target, you name it. So I, I think it's really where books are sold. Um, Barnes and Noble has it. So, so if you're so in the cool. US, it's everywhere. Um, and then if you're in the UK, Australia, or elsewhere throughout Europe, um, then Amazon really is the easiest place to find it. So just go to Amazon, type in science of strength training. Uh, and it's the one with the yellow cover with sort of the CGI illustration of like the guy with the muscle guy holding weights. It's, it'll be obvious. Um, the title's really big on the, on the book, but it's a yellow cover. So that's what you're looking for. And again, pretty much find it anywhere there. And then on Instagram is typically the best way to, to get in contact with me or, or engage with the book content. Um, so I'm Austin current on Instagram, just type in Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N, um, the bearded fella that pops up and the book Instagram, which has been a really fun creative endeavor, um, which seems to be fairly popular, which is really exciting for me. Um, essentially is if you want to get an idea before you go buy the book, if you want to get an idea of what's in the book and the contents of the book and, and kind of what the illustrations look like. You know, how's this material even presented and wrapped up and, and given to you that science of strength training on Instagram. So just type in science of strength training, uh, search for that in, on Instagram and it'll pop up. And that's sort of a, my early attempt of, of creating community around the book um, and trying to just create a community that is there purely for the content, you know, and like, I, I'm not on that page. I don't promote on that page. There's no outside of just saying like, Hey, the book's available. Um, it's just all about the content. It's all about strength training. It's all about the, the benefits, the health, um, that comes from it. And I'm, I'm taking pieces of the book and, and either breaking them down further or just sort of displaying them in a way where you can engage with that content. Um, but the book itself is, I think right now, as of today, it's, it's definitely under $20 on Amazon. So if you're ballparking, like, hey, man, is this worth it? Uh, the book as of right now is $15.94 on Amazon. So it's so cheap. That's the coolest part. Dude, so cheap. And that's the coolest, coolest part for me was creating a resource like this that's so comprehensive and accessible, but it's affordable, right? This is not a $100 plus textbook. This is this is a $15 text, like reference guide yeah. essentially for you. Well, um, and, and you know what, dude, so like, like you said, I was just going to say, I have textbooks that are $289 and uh, yeah, you know, you know, like, I, think, I mean, they're worth it, but it's crazy. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, is like your book is, is much more centered and geared towards the, the info that people actually need to see. Cause obviously you know, if you get an exercise textbook, exercise science textbook, there's so much info in there that a lot of it might not be directly applicable to what you're doing as a, as a trainer or program designer. So, um, can't recommend it enough guys. And if you're anything like me, uh, your wife shops at target four times a week and you'll probably be there very soon. So I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to have my eye open for that next time I'm at target or Costco, man. But, um, which that again, dude, congrats on that. Cause that's just so fucking cool. Like grocery shopping. Oh, there's my book on the bookshelf there. Like that's, 
that's a pretty cool fucking thing to be able to say. Um, so congrats, dude. Uh, it was great having you on to be able to talk about it. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've read through the whole thing yet, but I'm excited to actually start picking it apart. Uh, but it's been great. Everybody, the link is in the show notes. Uh, just a quick tip too. You guys can also just type in Austin current on Amazon and it pops up right away. Um, that's what I did originally. Oh, shit, it's, cool. Yeah. So it's super easy. <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it just, there's a lot of strength training books or science books. So if you guys want to keep it simple, that's do it true. that way. Uh, definitely check out that Instagram too. There's a lot of really cool infographics that are super, super helpful and insightful. Um, the, the science of strength training Instagram. So I'll link all that in the show notes for you guys listening. So you guys can check it out, follow him, follow the book and grab the book. And man, once again, thank you for spending time breaking that down for us. Thank you, Cody. Appreciate it, man. Very kind. And I'm excited for you guys to get it. Um, if you do buy it, please do tag me. Like I engage with literally everyone who tags me in their uh, stories of the book or whatever it is. I am going to say thank you. I want to say thank you. This has been a lifelong bucket list dream goal for me. And I'm still in disbelief that it's a thing and it's happened. And the fact that I was a, the one that was able to sort of fill this gap, it, I'm still sort of in awe about it, but I'm extremely grateful. And I, I want to talk to every single one of you guys. So um, please do tag me and, and, or at least engage with me on social in some way. And I'd love to, I'd love to have the conversation, but again, thank you, Cody, for, for having me on your platform and just having a conversation as always. Man. Absolutely, brother. Really.